Welcome to the Home Hour. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home ec class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms aspiring to create gracious homes that are welcoming and functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to the Home Hour, part of the Life Listen Network. On today's episode, we're going so very, very far off the decor, entertaining, and dining spectrum, and we're talking about what happens between the sheets. We're wrapping up our Valentine's Month series with a frank conversation about why one of the least discussed elements of the happy home is also one of the most important. Plus, we've got some exciting news at the Home Hour. We're introducing a new partnership that we hope helps all of us improve our etiquette game and may just change the way we respond to our next Evite. All that and more on today's episode of the Home Hour. Welcome home. Welcome home, Kirsten. Welcome home, Graham. And welcome everyone to today's episode of the Home Hour. All right, everyone. Do you know how in our intro we say, for everything we can't make up, we're bringing in the best expert we can find? Uh, today, we hope we have actually brought in the best expert we can find because we can't make this up. We're talking sex today. We have Dr. Megan Fleming on. We could totally make it up, but it's not in our best interest, Graham. It is so far from our best interest, Kirsten. Um, we, <laughs> it's our month of love. It's our Valentine's Day episode you know, our, these are our February episodes. And so we have a great guest. We have Dr. Megan Fleming, and she is quite pedigreed. She is with Beth Israel Medical Center. She's with Wild Cornell. She is a true tried and trained uh, sexologist, sex therapist and psychologist. And also she's a clinical instructor of psychology in psychiatry at Wild Cornell. So she has a great pedigree. She's been doing this for quite some time. She's out of Manhattan. And today, Today, we're just going to talk to her about really questions that we thought would come up around sex and monogamy and drudgery and non-drudgery. And I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Kirsten? Okay. So, well, this episode sort of sums up Graham's and my entire relationship, which is Graham's like, I have the best idea. And I'm like, Graham, terrible idea. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Graham's like, it's going to be great. Just stick with me. Just stick with me. And before I know it. Hey, Kirsten, we're recording with that sex expert tomorrow. Wait, no, Graham, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> you so, did. You tried to get out of this like 10 times. Like 500 times just because, you know, it's uh, it's just stuff that you don't feel comfortable discussing on the internet, you know. Um, but it was, and especially because, you know, we're, we're happily but married women not? to talk That's about our problem. sex life. Well, no, it is a great, well, I think also, well, because I think I'm a private person. And even though we have a podcast, you know, this is, this is these are things maybe you don't want to share on the internet, right? And right, but we're not sharing every, our lives. Please, are... wait, wait. I know, and please, I just want to apologize for my voice. I have a little bit of a sore throat um, just doing this intro, so apologies for my for my sexy voice that my children actually call my creepy old lady voice. So sorry for that. But um, but I did. I spoke to my husband about it, and I'm like, Graham wants to do this sex episode for the Valentine's Day series, you know. And he he said something really wise. He said, "You guys." you always talk about this podcast and what experts you want to have on, what topics you want to discuss. And you're always saying, we really want to help people. We really want to give people great information. And this is great information and this is helping people. So you should go for it. You should do it. And so I thought that was a good perspective. So although, you know, it is a little bit outside of our realm, we are talking about a happy home and, you know, this is part of a happy home. So in keeping with that Valentine's Day idea and the idea of a happy home, we're kind of straying a little bit and, um, 
and yeah, talking but about it's, this. It's important. This I mean, topic. We talk and about she's an expert. Like, she's a legit. Right. And she's, you know, she is really one of the best. This is not just some, you know, crazy lady we found. She is certainly a very, uh, you know, well-trained, very, very smart, very qualified person to discuss this with. And her whole goal is to help people have happier sex lives. So we are excited to get to that. Um, but we first, hope you, guys you know what like happens episode. whenever I think about sex? I think about granola. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Specifically, I don't want to know how... I know, no, I'm how kidding. That comes about. We have a sponsor, and we are sponsored by Kind Snacks, and we just want. And Kind to Snacks continue. had nothing to do with any of the comments we've just made. Kind Snacks is a nice family-friendly company that provides <laughs> your family with healthy, delicious snacks with ingredients you can pronounce. You all know at this point that we are big fans of Kind Snacks. Um, if you guys remember back to the episode where we interviewed Katie Workman and we talked about desserts. Um, and I said that I've gotten myself into quite a jam because I now, my kids expect desserts. Desserts are the reward for eating dinner. So I've been doing the fruit bites. So if you think kind snacks are just granola bars, you are so wrong there. If you think it's just those nut bars, you're wrong. They have such, um, such a wide array. And to get to know all of the snacks that are offered by Kind Snacks, you should really try the sample box. Um, I would recommend that you go to kindsnacks.com slash the home hour. That's kindsnacks.com slash the home hour. And you get to try a sample box for free. All you pay for is the shipping. And um, and then you'll get to enroll in the Kind Snack Clubs. And you want to visit this website to get all the full details about the Kind Snacks Club. So yes, you pay shipping. Um, and you get to try 10, 10 full-size Kind Snacks for free, which is kind of awesome. And then you get to be in the Kind Snack Club and have these things delivered right to your door. So um, friends, if you are looking for healthy snacks, looking for easy school lunches, or looking for ways to trick your kids into dessert that's actually healthy for them, we love Kind Snacks. So go ahead and, and also check it's, them out. It's just fun to be in clubs, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun to be in clubs. Low barrier to entry. Thank you, All Kind you Snacks. All you have to do is try their, try their snacks. Yeah, and then Career. you're in a club, and that's fun. Another club to add to your resume. That's Another exciting. club. All right. We have a lot <laughs> of excitement on the show. <laughs> I was like, oh. I forgot who it was, but I think someone said that they were putting on their resume that they were a member of Sam's Club. <laughs> so, guys, if you're looking that. for a resume filler, going back to work. <laughs> Join the Kind Snacks Club. It's a resume booster. <laughs> that would be great. All right, moving along. Let's be serious now. Let's be really serious. No, stop laughing. This I don't funny. think we can. I can't. Um, no, this is exciting. We've talked sex. We've talked granola. Now this is exciting. Talk. Actually, no, you're right. Like this is well, this is another quasi club where members will make we'll make a membership bands for this club because it's a cool no, club. The this is club. when we like brag about the friend that we haven't officially met in real life but we kind of like her and we may just need we just like her we like her a lot and we like her counterpart her cousin um dan post sending but our good friend in fact she I claims to like say, us but we haven't actually shown up at her doorstep in vermont we'll see how it's it goes gonna, when it's we gonna actually happen, do the knock knock i might for just sure, my best friend sure. my, my new best friend look lizzie out lizzie post. post we're coming okay. to your house she and her counterpart have an amazing podcast called Awesome Etiquette. And we listen. We've listened for quite some time. I'd say we're almost like first adopters. And basically, Lizzie and Dan are cousins. And what they've done is, you know, they're 
part of the Emily Post um, empire and just know everything etiquette across the board. And we've teamed up with Lizzie and Dan. I believe they call it the Emily Post Institute, just to also clarify that. It's not exactly an empire. We're not planning a world takeover. Although if they did, the world would be a much nicer place because they're all about kindness and etiquette, applicable manners. That's great. But if there was a club you could join. Um, anyway, <laughs> Lizzie, like the Manners Club, or the. Anyway, uh, stop. Enough of this, Kirsten. Sh- tomfoolery. What's okay. the magic word to get into the club? It's please and thank you. <laughs> it is, it is. I love it. So, Lizzie and Dan are so cool and so gracious. You need to go check them out on awesomeetiquette.com. What they do basically on their show is they take listener questions and modern day listening questions and they kind of unpack them and just answer them in today's real world. And I really do think I was kind of thinking about it like an analogy for how cool Lizzie is and how just modern day she is with her approach to etiquette and Dan as well to etiquette and manners. And it's like if you thought of their great, great grandmother, Emily Post, carrying the torch, they have taken the torch and they've put in an LED light bulb and they have moved it into the 21st century. And it's just really exciting. So basically, Kirsten and I wrote a question and that we something that was on our minds and we sent it over to Lizzie and Dan and they answered it beautifully. So we are now going to play that piece for you and hope you enjoy it. Right, right. And and just to clarify, we we'll hopefully be doing a monthly segment with them because Graham and I have etiquette questions all the time and we really do think that Lizzie and Dan just are are really excellent at what they do and they offer great, great insights. And um and this for if you haven't listened to Awesome Etiquette yet, we we do recommend the podcast. It's fabulous. I learn something new every time I listen. It just sort of changes your mindset into being one of um just kindness to others, thoughtfulness for other people's opinions and just a gracious way of living, which is totally on board with what we at the home hour love. So um so if you haven't listened to the show yet, we're going to go ahead and play our first little excerpt from their show, um, just so you can get a taste of what that podcast is all about as well. So we hope you enjoy that. We're going to play that, and then we're going to go right ahead into our interview with Dr. Megan Fleming. So we will see you guys next week. Um, enjoy the, the little excerpt from Awesome Etiquette, and enjoy Dr. Megan Fleming, and welcome home. So we have a fun new collaboration for the show for our next question. What is the home hour question? (laughs) The home hour question. I did an interview a while back uh, with the home hour podcast with hosts Kirsten Dunlap and Graham Smith. The Home Hour is a part of the Life Listened podcast network, and this particular show focuses on design, do-it-yourself, and gracious living. Kind of consider this podcast the home ec class you wish you'd been offered in high school. So we decided to have the Home Hour actually submit an awesome etiquette question uh, roughly like once a month. And we really thought that both audiences would enjoy the content on the show. So this is a little podcast cross-promotion love fest going on here and the gals have recorded a question for us so do you want to hear our first home hour question i am now very curious (laughs) hi lizzie and dan it's graham and kirsten from the home hour we have an etiquette question and we need your advice as you know we not only love to throw parties we also love to attend as mothers of small children we have been noticing that sometimes invitations especially virtual email invitations like paperless post or evite are unclear as to who is actually included in the invitation. 
Yeah, sometimes one child will be invited, but whether or not the invitation is extended to siblings as well just isn't obvious. We've had people text after we've RSVP'd to let us know that siblings are invited, but by that point, we may have already arranged for childcare. Or even worse, sometimes we've declined an invitation because we didn't have childcare for the other children and only found out later that they were actually more than welcome to come. In order to avoid this confusing situation, we sometimes follow up with the host before replying to clarify the policy on siblings. However, we're worried this may be rude. We're worried that they may feel pressured to invite other kids when they weren't planning to. We don't want to be pushy or increase a party budget more than anyone was expecting. Likewise, sometimes it's clear that party invitations are only attended for adults, but sometimes it's very clear that children are welcome. However, once again, sometimes the invitation is vague and just says holiday open house or something similar. We would never want to impose our children on a host when a party was just meant to be for adults. But is it wrong to ask? How would you two recommend that we go about getting clarification? Thanks so much for your help, Lizzie and Dan. A real etiquette question. I'm assuming you dealt with this with your Super Bowl party. There was. I was sitting there thinking to myself, we didn't do the the email invites, but absolutely kids are a big part of the planning and the coordination. Did you make it clear to folks that kids were welcome at this party? Yes. We have a sort of a built-in expectation that kids are often part of it, but there's usually a check-in that happens where we say, oh yes, so-and-so's coming and the girls are coming, or the spouse is coming, but no girls, or the spouse (laughs) is coming. Is it ever the guest who's calling you up to make that double check? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I'm guessing that you as the host never feel awkward about that. No, I'm always thinking to myself, I'm in my mind for these occasions, hoping the more the merrier. But I think a lot of it has to do with how that ask happens. Absolutely. This is a really easy one, Kirsten and Graham. All you have to do is ask in a way that lets your host know it's perfectly okay if the kids aren't invited. So that might sound something like, hey, Dan, I was calling up. I just wanted to double check because I didn't want to step on any toes or or increase your guest list accidentally. So I just want to double check. This invitation is just for George and me, correct? And that gives Dan the chance to say, oh, no, 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 the girls are totally welcome. Everybody can come. Or it could be, yes, this time we're actually just doing the adults. Or it might be, you know, we are keeping this to just the kids in Gregor's class. We're not going to do do siblings this time. But thank you so much for asking. I feel like that's a great response for a host to have. It's an easy way for a guest to be able to ask without the pressure. It is exactly as you gals said. It's about clarifying. It's not about asking for an extra invitation. I really like that point of emphasis, that the, the, the idea that you're calling just to be sure you've got it right, not to say, oh, and could I please bring X, Y, or Z? Tell me something. As a host, Dan, would you feel confident making the clarification of, you know, one child is invited, but the others are not? The siblings aren't invited? I think if the ask came in with the sort of spirit that you have introduced, yes. Um, And usually there's a reason that a host has some sort of boundary in mind that I'm thinking back to the Super Bowl party this weekend where the the asking for that plus one is a thing when it's not the kids. Right. And there's a real courtesy. And part of, I think, asking well for that plus one is being ready to accept and really accept the no. Yes. And I think if that's something that is internalized and is part of that ask, the host can feel it. And it's pretty easy for the host to say, you know, we're really trying to keep the focus on the game this weekend. And we're trying not to have too many people that 
aren't going to be as interested in the game as the people that are coming. <laughs> Meaning <Or> the kiddos. <laughs> we're going to try to keep the focus on the birthday boy. And we're trying to keep the number of kids down so that we can get through these games that we have planned. All of a sudden, it's relatively easy to say no to that sibling. Yeah. I do find that parents seem to be fairly understanding of the sibling thing. I think there's sometimes a hope because it might work with your own schedule that all the kids would be invited because you won't have to have babysitter care. And what I love about um, the idea of, of really presenting this ask and this clarification in a way that gives your host permission to say no, I feel like if you're doing that, you you kind of aren't doing the thing where you're secretly hoping that the answer will be yes, or that even if you are secretly hoping that that answer is yes, all the kids are included, you are prepared for the no, that it's not going to cause you to go, oh, well, I guess I'll have to find a sitter then. That is exactly what you do not want to have come out of your mouth as a response to whatever you get from your host. So really be sure that you are confident and have that backup plan if the the extra kiddos, if the siblings aren't invited. That way you can feel confident saying, no worries, I've got a babysitter lined up. I just wanted to be sure. It's really about checking with that host about what their agenda had been. And you can keep the focus there and not on your personal needs. And I can hear in the way this question is asked an awareness of the rudeness that can be perceived in trying to take over a party or suggest a lot of extra guests. And I think that as long as you've got that awareness in mind, you're pretty safe asking that question. We've said it a couple times now. We're confident that you're going to take this advice and use it well. Good luck. Kirsten and Graham, thank you so much for this question. We are so excited to hear feedback from your audience and ours. And we're here now with Dr. Megan Fleming. And Dr. Megan, welcome to the show today. And thank you for agreeing to talk, of us, to talk with us about something as intimate as sex in our homes. I'm happy to be here and uh, talking about sex and relationships is something that I'm passionate about. And uh, so I'm very feel fortunate to have the opportunity. This okay, is great. Well, and you, we're going to relax like we're going <laughs> to. That's, that's a good starter, I guess, for any for any sexual encounter. But Kirsten and I are a little bit on edge, you know, because this is straying from our normal talk of interiors and other things. But we, you know, really put our heads together on this. And we think this is an important topic for our listeners to hear and maybe some questions that they might have or just some things that are going on in their own lives. Yeah. If we get uncomfortable, you'll know we'll just start talking about wallpaper. So we'll just go back to our safe space. <laughs> Well, I think, again, it's always good to know, you know, when we're feeling sort of activated or feeling like things are overwhelming and that we can communicate that. But it's interesting, as you said, that uh, the foundation of everything, but in particular arousal, is relaxation. So um, I hope we have a lot of fun with this conversation. We we can have a safe word. Kirsten, the safe word is wallpaper. If it goes off the reservation, we're going, we're just going to say wallpaper. All right. I'm going to dive right in. So, Dr. Megan, why... Is this is a really big question? Why is sex in marriage important, and how important is it? Well, I think to me, uh, sex sexuality is um, sort of the embodiment of uh, feeling pleasure, giving and receiving pleasure with our partners. And you know, when we get married, you know, we sort of make that commitment: this is the one person for the rest of our lives that um, we. It, it, it is that 
uniquely intimate experience that only the two of you have with one another. And um, I think it's the intimacy, it's the connection, it's it's uh, the feeling of pleasure in your bodies. And I also think it's part of sort of our own um, wholeness, right? In our aliveness, uh, staying connected to our bodies and to the physical intimate relationship with our partners. Definitely. Um, I think maybe some of our listeners, we have a lot of kind of young moms, um, new parents, and they're just exhausted out there taking care of toddlers and babies and kids as they age. Can you kind of give us an overview of how our lives are evolving over the arc of a relationship? Like start maybe, I don't know, newlyweds and just kind of kind of arc it out. I mean, you see it. You are a very highly trained expert. I, I, I want to say sexpert. I'm not going to lie. It's just it's a great word. Um <laughs> Just kind of, you have seen it. I'm sure you've counseled couples of various age brackets. Kind of map it out for us a little bit, if you can. Sure. Well, I think, you know, it's we don't have chemistry with everyone, just like we're not friends with everyone. So I think it's recognizing that when we come into a relationship, uh, it that romantic phase. And we also sort of think of that as sort of the love cocktail. You know, it's dopamine, it's oxytocin. It's all these sort of feel-good uh, chemicals in our body. And so that really fuels often the beginning part where, you know, it's there, there's a reason love songs have been uh, written about the, you know, it's like, I feel like I've known you even when I'm just meeting you. Um, so, you know, it's to appreciate, we come into that romantic phase, but that that phase is meant to end. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, um, but it is meant to end. And I think in the relationships, it's where the rubber meets the road um, in terms of really seeing our partner for who they are. And we all sort of have the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and that's sort of that first step of, um, complication. And then you're getting into, as you said, kids. And I think so many people are running on empty women in particular. Um, it's to, I think, take a big step back and recognize that if you don't even have time to slow down and take care of yourself, much less, uh, time to connect with your partner, you know, how, how do you imagine that you're going to be feeling sexy or that you're going to be feeling desire? And those younger years and baby years, I think it's to recognize if you don't prioritize yourself and your relationship, um, this this part of your relationship is definitely going to take a big hit. Right. And I've heard from older people, um, people not in our maybe 50s and 60s, that it like comes back with full force in the 50s and 60s. Have you found that? Absolutely. I mean, because I think that, um, first of all, when someone's in their 50s and 60s, typically they have more time, right? So time to be relaxed and uh, timed and, and experienced to know what you like, what your turn-ons are, um, hopefully experience about being in relationship and how to take care of one another. Um, and I also think that, you know, for some women, it's interesting time because you're, you know, 51 is the average age of onset for menopause. Um, mm. You know, menopause certainly is something that can impact. Uh, we often think of it in a negative way. I think women need to empower themselves to realize hitting menopause um, is absolutely not in any way the end of their sex life. And then the freedom of menopause is you can't get pregnant. And so <laughs> some women actually relax a little bit because A, they can't get pregnant and B, their kids are maybe out of the house, right? So it really becomes a window of time that they can be a little bit more focused on themselves and you know, welcoming pleasure in their lives. Well, going back to what you just said a minute ago about this, the, the different stages of life, I mean, I do feel like my children are getting a little bit older. My youngest starts kindergarten in the fall. Like, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I'm not in the crazy, crazy zone like I was. I mean, trust me, we're still very much busy, busy. But, um, gosh, like, 
there's always, there's, it was just such a hard stage in terms of, I knew it was important to care for myself. And I knew that anytime I took a moment to just relax and take a break and, um, you know, pamper myself a little bit, it was, it was, it paid dividends. But like when people would tell me that, you know, and put yourself first, it's just like, you kind of wanted to punch them in the face because you just couldn't do it. But I really do. I don't know. It's like you're bringing up such a good point that 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 really like the the dividends of it are just, you know, it's it's the it's the highest paying way to spend your time. You Absolutely. Know? And, and 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 no way to cut you off. But it's like no. there's a reason they tell you on a plane to put the oxygen mask on yourself before your child. Right. I think women mm-hmm. and as caretakers so often we're sort of conditioned to give and give and um I think, as you just said, it's like it's slowing down, taking care of us. You got to refill that tank because when you do, you actually have more to give. And, you know, I was sort of raised to think in some ways um, that, you know, self-care was selfish. And it's taken me sort of years to recognize it's exactly the opposite. You know, self-care is um, the best thing we can do for ourselves so that we actually have, as I said, more to give. Right. And I think our culture only kind of shows two extremes. There's either like the mom who has her hair in a messy bun and she hasn't showered in three days and she's covered in baby food and she's running around like a crazy person and her house is a disaster. Or it's like the real housewife who spends several thousand dollars a week, you know, maintaining her amazing look and, you know, has 50 nannies and a masseuse, you know, and it's like. I, I know wearing I pearls at drop off. You know, right. I had and that I know I morning. can't be her, but I also don't want to be her. You know what I mean? And it's that. And you're right. Like there's a difference because self-care isn't selfishness, but there's also this level of self-absorbedness. But I think that the sweet spot probably for a healthy sex life is when you are prioritizing yourself as a person. Because, you know, who wants to have sex with that exhausted lady? Right. And, and the, what you're saying there, and it's true of everything in life, it's the balancing act. Right. I mean, you know to be, you know, all or nothing, black or white, too much one thing or not another, you know, I think the healthiest is always finding what is the balance. True. Okay. So that's the, that's the question. The next question I have is balance is how partners, like if you have a different level of desire um, among partners, do you see that a lot in your practice and how that can affect a relationship? And, and also like, I have to say, I asked a lot of people that I know, like, what's normal? Tell us normal. <laughs> give, give me an actual number. I know it's going to be something like normal is whatever's normal to you, but I want to know like is four. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because this is one of the questions that often comes up in that sense of what's, you know, great, what is great life, great sex, you know, what is, um, you know, the happiest couples, what is their frequency? Um, and I used to actually memorize, memorize sort of the numbers from the National so- Social Health and Life Survey. Um, and then I realized, and it's the part you're sort of expecting, it doesn't really matter what's true um, for anyone else. It matters what's true for you and your relationship, because the importance of sex, even in any given relationship, is is different. For some, it's really an important part, and for others, not so much. Um, the one thing I can tell you is when it's going well, it's generally considered a smaller part of your relationship, but when it's not going well, it, it, it can consume the relationship and really get people off the rails. Right, like you don't notice, you don't notice anything is going right with your car, but when something's not going right with your car, you notice it. And then you notice it life. all the time, right? right. And so, you know, so, when it comes so to these- is, is that kind of stereotype that, you know, I mean, it's such a cliche, it's such a stereotype, but it's like, you know, it's more than she, normal is more than she wants, not as much as he wants. I mean, is that true? Is that, is that really true? Is, is there, it, as far as gender? 
is well, the level of desire related to gender and the stereotype we all think? Is that all? Is that accurate in your practice? Or well, is that I, I think society? it's definitely accurate that if we're thinking bell curve distribution, right, um, that men have typically higher levels of libido, and mostly that's testosterone, um, than women. But if you overlap a, a distribution of male sexual desire and female sexual desire, there's you know a big segment that overlaps where they're the same. And what I can say is, I work with some couples where it's the partner, the male, who um, husband who is doesn't have the sexual interest or de desire. Um, so it, it's just to say it can go both ways. Like some women are high, high drive um, and some women are low drive and some men are high drive and some men are low drive and everything in the middle. And so it really is, I think, a negotiation in the relationship. And the one thing I would say that most people don't often think about is what seems true to me, regardless of gender, is one partner wants to feel connected to desire sex and that for the other partner sex helps them to feel more connected and you can almost see it in their bodies hmm. say once again okay i'm not sure if i caught that so that um typically and again the typical stereotypical is the woman wants to feel intimate they want to feel connected first right mm -hmm. to desire sex um and that men often sex actually helps them feel more connected you can almost see it in their bodies um and that, you know, if it goes more than X amount of days, it's almost like an irritability sits in. Um, and, you know, so, so it's really helping couples figure out what is that sweet spot where both people's needs are getting met, where you're both feeling connected and sort of enjoying, um, you know, the physicality and um, the opportunity sort of give and receive pleasure, as I mentioned. Okay, let's right, talk so about... Oh, sorry. Let's talk Go. about the um, the question that I asked a couple people before I knew I was interviewing you. Just here's what 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 should I ask you? And everyone says I feel like I've been married for eight hundred years. I've known this person forever. So what what do they do? That was the first thing everyone said. So listen, I I can totally appreciate that we have this. I sort of say monogamy doesn't equal monotony. Um, and I've been married uh, seventeen years with my husband twenty. And I can tell you every now and again, uh, you know, people will see us and they're like, you guys look like you're, you know, still in high school. And so is it that way all the time? Absolutely not. But I think the reason most couples get into difficulty is that um, they sort of get into a rut, a sexual rut. Um, and sometimes the sex starts to feel not worth having or it sort of starts to feel mechanical. And, you know, to me, that's a huge warning sign and flag to take a big step back and, and think about, um, I don't know, exploring turn-ons and, and really just getting curious, being like two kids in a sandbox, you know what I mean? Like have that energy of like, I want to play and not a sense of, I already know how you play, but a sense of, I don't know, I've never done this and you've never done this. And maybe, I don't know, should we try this together or what that might bring? Interesting. So just like throw something new in there, like a little tiny wrench. Yeah, it's sort of a wrench or novelty. Listen, I can, you know, I certainly am not saying that, you know, you've always got to be doing something new. And I think some people can get caught up in that um, because, listen, we all have chocolate, vanilla and our favorite flavors. Right. So you should always have your go to's. But there's nothing wrong with you know something even like a blindfold. If you think about it, when you wear a blindfold, you're cutting off uh, one of your senses. And so it actually heightens and amplifies your other senses. And it's just sort of like, what is that like? You know, and what's it like for me as your partner? knowing you can't see me, can I be more playful or less self-conscious about my body or whatever it might be? Um, I just think there's a lot of opportunities to sort of ex explore and play. 
Okay, you brought up the the B word, bodies. The blindfold. Oh, bodies. Wallpaper. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'm st- I've had three children, you know, like things are not how they were. And I don't think I'm the only person who maybe does not look the way they looked, you know, when they walked down the aisle, like things have changed. So absolutely. And I think that we culturally that? do not do a very good job of embracing our bodies. Um you know, listen, I work with women who can be size two and they're distressed. And I think, unfortunately, whether it's Hollywood or, you know, sort of the magazine industries that, you know, women are on, um, you know, unrealistic pressures and standards of, in a sense, what beauty is. And I love that Dove uh, sort of commercials that were on recently and really and the ads, right, to really help women um, embrace their bodies because uh, there's such body shame, I think, for women. Um, so what I would say is first, it's like I was at a workshop up in Kerpalo and there was it was for yoga. And this woman went around and had us all in a circle go, I love my belly. I love my butt. I love my belly and I love my butt because <laughs> the reality is women don't love their bellies and they don't love their butts, you know, and it's just like embrace what what you got and what feels beautiful or what feels sensual or sexy, because we can always draw our attention to what's different or changed or not how we want it to be. You know, and mm-hmm. what we focus on expands, right? So focus your attention on what you got and accentuating um, whether it's your breasts and even if it's in, if you prefer, it's like in a push-up bra or if you prefer, you know, accentuating your legs or, um, you know, it's the flip of the hair, whatever, you know, your assets are. Um, you know, it, it's, I think, empowering women to figure out their sexy and embrace and own their sexy for themselves, not just for your partner. Like I sort of say, it's your own sexy pilot light. Um, and I think women forget that. It feels like one more thing they're doing for somebody else and they're forgetting about what's in it for them. I see so many good design analogies. See, I knew you would fit in the design podcast because I'm like, don't look at the paint chips on this wall or like the HVAC unit that shouldn't be here. Let's look out the window at this beautiful view, you know, and it's just, you're right. Pick the I mean, thing you, and pick yeah, it and really go with going it. Right back to our, our interview with a coastal living editor where she's like, oh, no, that's all staged. We've now learned everything in our life that you read in a magazine is fake, everybody. Whether it's your, how you're supposed to look naked or how your living room is supposed to look. It's all pretend. Just enjoy what you have <laughs> absolutely right. i mean and think about all the different ways that that um manifested because it's like everybody's airbrush you know it's it's it, it even social media is so um edited and manicured so to speak and i think helping people recognize life is messy and our bodies aren't perfect and you know when did we learn to sort of not uh sort of love and embrace like the strength of our bodies right and mm. um all that they do for us, right? We just, um, I th- think we just are not putting our attention, as you said, really where we where we want it to be. Like, I, I never like to quote Madonna, really, but she has a line in her song. It's like, if you, if you thought it, it better be what you want. All right. Can you give us some kind of look into our future, like a crystal ball? I know we kind of went back and talked about our 50s and 60s, but I mean, just give us a sense about where where this trajectory is going over time like you're married for 17 years like you said i mean just what what is there any can you drop some knowledge well i just think um you know i hope anybody listening and wherever they are in their marriage that 
they always have a very clear vision, both of what brought you together, but also where, where's your compass, where's your north, where are you going? Um, because if you're doing it right, you're really growing in your in your relationship with yourself and in your marriage. I sort of say it's like if you're doing it right, uh, you're going to have two or three marriages with the same person. And I think me and my husband are definitely on two, possibly on three, because life happens, right? Like we've gone through layoffs and loss of a parent and um, all sorts of different like things that life hands you. Um, but that also creates intimacy and it, and it does create a sense of like, look at what we've been through together, look at what we've created together and look at where we're going. Um, and I think when you keep your eye on and showing up for where you're going, um, you know, it's, it's incredibly priceless and like the sky's the limit. I often say, I call it foreclosure of imagination. I think most people feel like this is it, this is good as it gets, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, you know, who said, <laughs> and, and how or why is it you've stopped dreaming and believing and taking action on behalf of, of, you know, ideally the amazing relationship that you want to be in. I think that's a beautiful point you make is why do we stop working sometimes in some ways, in every way almost, right? Like you think, oh, I'm here. I'm in this relationship. Now it's just my job to like keep the baton and just kind of keep running with it. But you're saying kind of take it and continually work on elevating it. I think that's probably maybe where I would say I fall short is like, you know, if you have something that's good, you don't always seek to make it better. And I think that's a really good motivation for me is, you know, let me just continually try to improve. Yeah. And that part is so huge because we have a way of taking things for granted or people say, oh, my babies are really young. So we'll work on our sex life when, you know, in these later years, you know, and you put things on hold and you, you pay a price for that. And I think that, you know, in a sense, I worked at a place once where they had this, um, all these inspiring quotes, but one of them was complacency is devastating. And I was like, whoa. And then I once interviewed a Marine and he's like, complacency kills. And I was like, okay, I have to get to a whole other level. But like, <laughs> what if we weren't so complacent, right? And just, and didn't take things for granted. Um, and really, you know, it's interesting, like greet your partner, like if you have a dog or a puppy, like your puppy would, you know, every time you come in the door, because think of it, law of attraction, you're going to get a very different experience when you're coming from that different kind of welcoming, inviting, you're important to me, you matter kind of energy. This is all coming full circle. Okay, so we did a couple episodes ago is what men want. And we had we quizzed a bunch of our listeners and their husbands. And they said they wanted to be greeted when they came in the door, you know, just really warmly greeted by their spouses, by their children. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think you're I think you're completely right about that. And, and what do they get? Here, honey, you get them now, right? Like I'm exhausted. <laughs> and, you know. Well, that, okay. So that's a really good question too. So let's say someone's listening. They don't feel like they're where they want to be in their sex life with their marriage. So how would you, because you're a pro at this, if they're, if they don't have Dr. Megan in their, you know, living room, how do you instigate that conversation? Because this is awkward stuff. Like Kirsten and I debated and debated and debated over how to do, whether to do this interview. And I'm like, no, this is this is part of it. This is marriage. Um, this is life. I hate that people don't talk about this. Like the same way you only get porn as your example of sex. I hate that we don't talk about this more. I 100% agree with you, which is why I said at the beginning, it's like I love any opportunity um, or any media story that creates conversations around sex because – 
It's interesting, right? I mean, on one hand, it's sort of everywhere, ubiquitous, post, you know, Viagra, et cetera. You know, in a sense, publicly, there's discourse, but not in the bedrooms. I can't tell you how many couples aren't having just basic conversations about, I really like it when, and it turns me on when. And, you know, it's, it's a simple thing, exercise I have people do. It's like taking ownership, right? I turn myself on when, I turn myself off when, right? I, because a lot of times women have turned themselves off long before their partners even entered the room. Um, okay. What does that mean? Like what, what would be an example of that? Well, you know, it could be turned self off by like looking up and being like, Oh my God, the ceiling needs to be painted and, or thinking about the laundry or, um, you know, thinking about how it went last time and like, eh, you know, there's there's just many ways we can, it hasn't even happened yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Be turning ourselves off. Okay. So what you're saying is find what turns you off and then turn that off. Right. Like, no, right, turn it off. and then turn it off. OK. And then and seek then- your turn ons and your partner's turn ons. And, you know, going back to where you said earlier, it's like have these conversations and how do you introduce them? You know, I often say because I quoted a lot in like Women's Health or Cosmo or Red Book, like, oh, I read this amazing article or huh, they talked about porn. And so I'm curious what you, you know, it's a way of introducing and normalizing um, a conversation. Or I read this, uh, you know, there was this you know, men often like to do sort of uh, uh, their research to get like sort of the best, you know, appliance or whatever it might be and just be like, it's like the consumer reports of, you know, and this new sex toy, you know, like it's got some interesting features. About about conversations, because what about women, um, women conversing with their girlfriends? How does that affect sex life? Because I feel like sometimes, hmm, I don't know how to say this in the right way. I want to say that be like very specific with the way I say it. It's almost like women sort of put down their husbands to other women. Like, oh, it's like it's a chore almost. And I, I mean, how do you how do you deal with that without being like, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Do you see that I, I at do. All? I mean, I, I see it and I think and even not it's just toxic, right, in some like ways that TV conversations. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think in some ways, um, two parts like one is why are we throwing our partners ever under the bus um and and even if we feel that way why are we doing that publicly or to our friends and then the second part of that is and if that something really um isn't going well or is frustrating or is problematic you know where can i go with that right where is a safe space and you know sometimes that's where a therapist comes in or it's a close friend but i think it's a it's a dicey like how do you say what you need to say? Because sometimes you need um, some perspective. And other times, I think it's just about, in a sense, venting. Um, and I think, you know, in this context, because it's, it's a, something you hear often, you know, women have this perspective of its duty, its obligation, taking one for the team. And I'm like, how did it get to be a place where you for, they forget or it's somehow not about their pleasure? That's the part I'm always just really curious about. Right. So and I feel answer? like when you're in those conversations all the time, you know, it, it sort of normalizes this idea, like you said, like it's a chore, it's a to-do list, it's being just a nice wife, all you know, as opposed to like the woman who's like, what are you talking about? I just can't get enough. I love it. You know, like that woman, everyone, like she's not at the park. She's not at the park I'm at. I can tell you that. You know, like that's, that's like. <laughs> or she's been shamed out of it. I don't know. <laughs> right. And you give them like a weird, you know, that person's going to oh, get What about that one? That, that like, you know, really horny, slutty girl over there. No. Right. <laughs> Who's never allowed to like have my children over for a play date? Who knows what's going on? But isn't that awful and terrible? You know, it's interesting to say this because, like, 
I mean, I'm a sex therapist, but I'm also, um, you know, I was raised Catholic, but we were raising our, our children Episcopal because my husband's Episcopal. And like, we're very active in our church. And I'm like, I want to be the sexy Christian. Who said you couldn't be a sexy Christian? You know what I mean? Like, and I think that I see a bumper sticker. <laughs> like, oh, you go to that sexy Christian church? <laughs> and I just don't understand it. My church is, is, is a very conservative one, uh, a well-known one here in Manhattan. But the point is, it's like, um, I don't know. Like, it's interesting. My daughter, I think, is the app. Maybe it's in reaction to, who knows? But, like, she's 14. And, you know, she's, I think she's years off away from, you know, it's sort of like, Mom, I can hear you talking. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, my gosh, I can't even imagine what you're doing. I mean, that must be a whole, that's a whole different show in and oh, of itself when your mom's life. a sex therapist. <laughs> right, but, but it's a, it's an interesting combination of both ends, right? It, some kids will say, wow, she's so comfortable with the topic and that's amazing. And then another, another part of her is like, you know, and, and appreciating being a kid, right? And she has a younger brother and that helps, right? But like, you know, I don't rush into this stuff. You have the rest of your life. Um, so I, I think that from the child side, but Anyway, I, I do think that it's it's interesting, these stereotypes that we have and, you know, as if we associate somebody who really enjoys sex, that they're not a good mother, right? Or that you wouldn't want their kid around them or that they wouldn't have appropriate boundaries um, to, of course, not say that in front of your children. Right, right. <laughs> or, and the or, flip or, or to side, expose oh, themselves, right? You know what I mean? Yes. Well, the flip side of that, too, is like, I think we all had those friends growing up who you knew the parents were like very much still enamored with one another and <laughs> like the kid whose house had two water beds yeah i don't and, and leopard sheets i know nothing what you're saying that was not my house that was not we, my house. but we all like knew those people and i will say they're all still happily married as grandparents now so you know like you know who who's laughing now right <laughs> yeah like i mean i think listen um i know you're going to be ultimately having a show coming up around couples but you know, couples and sex is very linked. Um, you know, when people come in with low desire or, you know, mismatched desire or many of the things they come in with, it, it's often true there's a relationship issue in there, right? Like when she's like that, that sense of, it, it almost feels like resentment or obligation. It's like, what else is going on, right? Like, I think a lot of reasons why uh, people get turned off is because how they're treating one another. Um, and at a certain point in time, you start to feel like I can't get certain needs met with my partner. And so instead of leaning into your relationship, you're like leaning out, trying to get it met elsewhere. And I think that's really, um, you know, when that energy is going out and not in, I think that's where a lot of relationships get themselves into trouble. That's I think great. that is so true. And I think um, I think that hopefully uh, we've maybe inspired some of our listeners to just take a step back from from. Um, maybe what feels comfortable to discuss. I mean, I feel so uncomfortable, but you know what? Like, but you I never said wallpaper. I know. But I mean, you know what I mean? Like, don't be embarrassed because the truth is like, there are people who are going to ruin their marriages um, because they're not willing to have these conversations and go to places that are uncomfortable. So I think, I think you really uh, inspired us that this, you know, you might have to jump over some icky sludge, but like, you're going to get to a much better place by doing it. Absolutely. And part of really want to highlight what you just said, a few things. One is that avoidance, right? Um, let's not talk about that. Let's push that. You know, I think. Well, wait, wait. In my defense, let's not talk about this and let's not talk about it on a podcast on the Internet. Like, there's a little bit of a difference there. <laughs> no, I, I, yes, I get that. But, it, it, but it's also like, 
trying to embrace a sense of like, and there is nothing wrong with it. And who can I help? And why, why and how do I even feel? I get it. It's exposure, right? It's a vulnerability. Um, but that's also where the growth is. And so I was going to say to you, like, yeah, that's how you felt in anticipation of this. But like, was it as bad as you thought? Or, you know, is it no, as uncomfortable as you imagined? Absolutely delightful. See, I conversely, Dr. Megan, knew that this was a wonderful idea for an interview. And I see myself as a public servant. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> So I am just as thrilled as when I had the idea originally. (laughs) No, I'm so glad we talked to you. And, you know, I think also the one area we didn't even touch on is that, you know, for some people, we're we're kind of talking about like, you know, I've gotten fat. I'm so tired. I don't want to, you know, like the normal mom stuff. But I mean, I think there's also people who are dealing with some very serious issues, either, you know, maybe some abuse or infidelity or Cancer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even, yeah, things that aren't even related to sex, but they're, you know, giant, giant problems. Um, But, um, you know, I think that, I think also when we talk about the self-care and the self-love, like this is something where, you know, I think their word sex therapist sounds really like, oh, that's crazy. That's for like people who stand on street corners and they like flashers or they're nuts or, you know, and I think it's really important to say, like, this is a really important way to take care of yourself is to talk to somebody about this if this is an issue. <laughs> it's interesting to say this. I mean, it, you know, the fact that, like, uh, you know, who's a sex therapist? You know, when I had to de- describe to my parents, right, tell my parents, you know, I'm a clinical psychologist that I'm specializing in sex therapy. The only way that it was, in a sense, acceptable was because I was working at Sloan Kettering, right? And so... Yeah, by the way, anyone about- listening, you have a massively um, impressive um, pedigree, academic <laughs> pedigree. Like, my, Dr. Megan's a serious expert. I also saw Wild Cornell on there as well. Exactly. Um, I've spent, unfortunately, way too much time there. But um, that is a great, great and very prestigious um, hospital and organization so thank you but i appreciate that and you know what i, I love having the opportunity to train train with the best because you know i'm again you see a theme here like i'm always looking for how do we improve and develop and um but i think again it's just like wow i think it was hard for my parents to like how to recognize this and uh it's actually how i got into the whole sexuality piece was through uh cancer and medical illness um and how do you give back when there's so many loss and disability? Like, how do we re? How do we reintroduce that sense of pleasure into their lives? So, um, anyway, I think it's amazing and great that you guys are uh, having me on, and you know, creating the conversations that we all need to be having. Awesome. That's well, wonderful. Well, we, Dr. We Megan, thank you so you. much. This Thanks, was outstanding. And for, once again, if people want to learn more, I know you know. Obviously, you are based in New York, but you do have workshops. Um, how, what, can you give us your website one more time so people can go ahead and look you up? Sure. It's greatlifegreatsex.com. Fabulous. All right. Thank you, Megan Fleming. We really loved having you on the Home Hour. Welcome oh. home. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me.